I, I want to thank those of you that have been praying for Connie and myself and our family. Um, for those of you that haven't kept up with, with the news, the reason I was not in the pulpit last Sunday is we were actually in El Salvador doing a pastor's conference and I taught at La Capilla and uh, Connie did a ladies retreat and so Pastor Dwight was here along with Anthony Evans but this week's been a long week Uh, as I sat on my bed uh, got up early on Saturday morning I was teaching at the conference and, and I got word that my little sister had passed away and you know you you never know you never know when you're going to have an opportunity to tell somebody that you love them. You, you never know when the last time that you're ever going to see that person is going to be. You never know when you're going to hop on a plane. And I buried my little sister yesterday. You don't know when God's going to use the encouragement that you offer to somebody else in a very difficult time. And so for those of you that have encouraged us, thank you. For those of you that maybe today need encouragement, I pray you receive it. For those of you that maybe struggle with being an encourager, John chapter 3 is for you. This, this third book is how we can be a godly example. You see, there's no guarantees in life. But there is a guarantee, if you know the Lord Jesus, of where you're going to be spending the rest of eternity. So I know where my sister is. And I pray that if you came today and you need that hope, that you're having a tough time, that you'll receive it. Because we sang it, our God is great. He's greatly to be praised. He is good. His mercy endures forever. He is our sufficiency. And whatever you have need of, he wants to give you. Because he loves you. And so would you pray with me and we'll take the third and final letter here in John's epistles. Father, thank you. Thank you for those that have encouraged me this week, Connie this week, our family this week, with just words of kindness and comfort. Lord, I thank you that I know my sister Galen is with you. I have no doubt. And Father, I thank you for that strength that even enables me to be here this morning. It's not mine, it's yours. And so, Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise, and we look forward with great expectation to what your spirit will speak to the church today because we have come to hear from heaven and Lord we invite you to speak to us now in Jesus name amen this third book this third letter in the original language of the New Testament the Greek is the shortest of all of the books in the New Testament but it is perhaps one of the most impactful of the shortest of the books, which 2 John would be the next one. And here we find this incredible example of this man, Gaius, 
the encourager. Verse 1 begins here in 3 John. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. And remember, truth is the central thing that's being spoken of here in both the second and the third letter. And it continues in this third letter. But John comes at it from a very different perspective. Because ultimately, all ministry, though it is to God's glory for his plans and purposes... It is actually for people. The reason that we're engaged in ministry at all is to preach the gospel, to teach the truth, to encourage people in the word of God. Ministry is about people. And wherever you have people, there are a couple of certainties. You will have problems. And you will have progress. And so here... John begins to speak first of this beloved one, Gaius. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Truth does no good if it doesn't make it inside. Amen? We have to take in truth. Thy word, O God, is truth, and every word of it. When Jesus said he is the way and the truth and the life, he meant that to have a relationship with him was to, next step, walk in the truth. Notice it. Just as you walk in the truth. And I have no greater joy. This is the the pastor John. This is the heart of a pastor. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth, spiritual children. People that John had been responsible for sharing the good news with, teaching the truth to. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers whom have borne witness of your love before the church. You know, a real church is a church that you can tell loves Jesus. Amen? You can see it. It's not just in word. It's in deed. It's lived out. It's one of the things that makes me so proud to pastor this church, and I mean that in a tremendous respect for what the Lord is doing. It is a joy to say, you, you can see God at work in this church. You can sense the love of God. You can tell that God's people are responding to God's word and living out God's truth. It's visible. It's tangible. It's the reason behind what we do. Amen? What you do bears witness of it. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. Because they went forth in his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We, we want to minister to those who do not know the Lord. We don't want them to have to minister to our needs. We should be the ones who give, not the ones who take. The church should be alive unto godliness. And, and, and as such, we should be the ones who have 
the, the resources. We have the ability to go and reach those who need to be touched by the Lord. Gaius is, is in the leadership of this early first century church. And we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. The battle for truth goes on in our world. And one of the things that I think causes me maybe more grief than anything else about church in general, and I'm not talking about our church or really any other specific church, but just the way the church in the world is functioning, is the departure from truth. That the church has left the teaching of the truth of what the Bible actually says. And they've wandered into areas of psychology. They've wandered into social issues they've wandered into politics they've wandered all kinds of places and they've strayed from the truth itself the truth of what the bible clearly teaches and how we ought to live our lives we can see gaius in this early first century church uh, is really a glimpse into church life if you will and so he begins this letter with continuing this general theme of truth. Truth is visible in people's lives. If you say that you have love for your brother and you harden your heart towards him, your Bible says how can you really say the love of God dwells in you? When you see your brother in need and you say to him, uh, be warm and be filled, you see there is a tangible evidence of the truth lived out in the church the church is supposed to bear witness to the truth and so that word is used here to report or testify or bear witness it means that it not only is real but it's so real to us that it becomes our life we actually live out the truth and i'm concerned because i i see churches that it's really tough to see how the truth is being lived out because they teach error. They stray from the truth of what God's word is. We, We live in a time when people want us to be inclusive. And to be inclusive of bringing all people in is one thing, and to be inclusive to the point of allowing sin to infiltrate the church is yet another. The church has been called to be holy and separate. We've been called to be light unto the Gentiles, to people who don't know the Lord. We are supposed to be the bastion of truth. People should be able to come to the church and hear and see what it means to live out the truth and to know the truth because it is the truth that sets us free. And the truth of the matter is You're either helping the truth go forward or you're hindering the truth from being preached. We need to be people who co-labor with the truth of God's word and the love of God in this world. And in that sense, I'm either part of the problem or I'm part of the solution. And we're going to see two other men mentioned as we finish this little book. And so let's look at the first one, this godly example, Gaius. 
There's no question he's loved, he's called beloved here. And, and John is encouraging because he's been encouraged. Can I tell you the church desperately needs people to just simply be encouragers? Just be an encourager. And I, and I want to be kind, but I also want to warn you. I, I want to, to give you a little taste of what it's like from the other side. There are plenty of people to find fault with everything. But the church should not be filled with people who find fault with everything. The church should be filled with people who are filled with the love of God and the grace of God and the truth of God who understand above all things that there's nobody perfect. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. There is no such thing as a human being who before the throne of glory is going to be able to stand perfectly while they're still encased in human flesh. And so if you're looking for something to criticize, you're going to find plenty of things to criticize. You can criticize analogies and examples and you know interpretations of Scripture. You can find all things to criticize. You can criticize ministry styles. You can criticize whether you like one type of music or another type of music. The world does not need more critics. The world needs more people who love Jesus and are willing to love other people in Jesus who love the truth, who just simply encourage And when you see those faults in other people, you pray for those people. You encourage those people. You lift those people up. You do not destroy their character, and you don't need to write them emails about their faults. (laughs) I think if we just simply spent more time encouraging, there'd actually be change. Those things that need to get changed, God is able by the Spirit to do that. Gaius was a man who knew what to say, and he knew how to say it. Just simply pray before you speak helps. It's like, Lord, you put something on my heart, but now help me to communicate it in a way that lifts up and doesn't tear down. Is beautiful and is not ugly. And so Gaius... It is a man who had great spiritual health. You can see it in these first eight verses. He had great spiritual health. He was well in the Lord, and it showed in his living. And I want to again encourage you, you can be in church all day long and be in poor spiritual health if you don't take in the truth and then live the truth. You you can walk out the doors and do nothing with what you hear, And you can be in poor spiritual health. You can be running from experience to experience to experience. You can be looking for your own personal revelation from the Lord when God has already spoken to you by his word. You you, you can be running around looking for the next angel and the next dream and the next vision or you can simply be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? So so be careful. If you want to be in spiritual health, you've got a health manual here. You can be healthy if you'll live this out. 
God will supply all of your needs richly according to his, his glory in Christ Jesus. But he may not give you all your wants. You see, spiritual health comes from knowing the word. Living out the word. He was a man with an amazing testimony. I don't know if you think about your own testimony. But when Gaius' name came up, John's going, oh man, he's awesome. I met Gaius and, and he was willing to do anything. He complained about nothing. He was the first person to sign up. He was the last person to leave. If he had it, it was yours. When Gaius' name came up, people went, oh man, he's awesome. Can I tell you there's a few people's names when they come up? I'm not thinking awesome. <laughs> I'm thinking Oh, no. They're not encouraging. They have, instead of the gift of encouragement, they have the gift of discouragement. They can take the greatest day and somehow flip it on its head because they know exactly what not to say all the time. You see, that is someone who had an amazing testimony. It doesn't say that Gaius was the most spiritually intelligent and gifted. It just simply says he he had this great character. He encouraged the body of Christ. He, He even encouraged strangers. He was one of those Hebrews 13 guys that entertained angels unaware because he was just always encouraging people. People need encouragement. We get enough discouragement, amen? I have, you know, nobody's ever come into my office and said, Pastor Jeff, can you discourage me? (laughs) I've never had that happen. I was feeling really great today. Could you just like knock the life out of me? No, people need encouragement. Even if they're doing well, they can stand some encouragement, amen? Be an encourager. A third thing here, he, he excelled at practical ministry. Can I tell you that practical ministry matters? Gaius didn't, he he not only opened up his home and he opened up his heart, but he also opened up his hands. He, He was willing to go and do what needed to be done. We need to be like Gaius. You see, what happens a lot of times is we kind of establish a little list of things that we'll do for God. We we make up a little list of like, well, as long as they don't ask me to do that, or that doesn't have to get done, or if I don't need to go there, I'm cool. We need to be ready to do whatever God tells us to do. At whatever time he tells us to do it. And just simply go. I can tell you, I ran through a radical series of thoughts all in about 20 minutes. I'm in El Salvador when I get the news that my sister has passed. She's with Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, what am I doing here? Why am I, why am I in El Salvador? I'm supposed to teach in two hours and ten minutes. Why did you send me here? 
Can I tell you I know exactly why? Because through those tears, there was like 40 or 50 people that gave their life to Jesus. It was a pastor's conference. Do you just need to be encouraged? You see, I could have... No one would have said a word if I hopped on a plane and left. But the moment I did that, I would have to confess that God made a mistake. I would have to say, somehow, God messed up. He messed up, number one, in having me in El Salvador, and number two, in taking my sister home. They needed to be encouraged with the truth that in moments of pain, he is sufficient. Family of God, you need to listen to the Lord in these circumstances because God wants to use you to encourage other people. Even through the pain, through the hurt, through the loss, through the broken things in your life. If we open our homes and open our hearts and open our hands, God will use you in ways that you can't imagine. But there's a bad example here too. This man, Diotrephus. Now Diotrephus, we don't know a whole lot about him, but we do know what his problem was. His motivation was pride, principally spiritual pride. Constantly correcting the pastor, constantly having complaints. He was basically a dictator in the church. Had to be right all the time. Look, let me tell you something about me. I'm not, a, not right all the time. Every once in a while, as much and as hard as I, as I work at writing things down in my notes... I'll miss a book or I'll miss a chapter or I'll, you know, I'll say it's this verse versus that verse and you guys hear it and I can spot the diatrephuses in the church. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, man, they, got, they just got to send a note of correction. And while I appreciate the fact that you picked that up, the way you say it means a lot. You know, when you begin with, I don't mean to complain, but here comes my complaint. You know, I gotcha. If you want to get me, you can get me all day, every day. Just saying. And it's true for every pastor. It's true for every church. It's true for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, if you're looking for a perfect church, let me just warn you, this isn't it. This is not it. I think it's a pretty awesome church. And I'd rather be here than anywhere else. But perfect? No. Why? Because I'm involved. 
Forget you guys. I'm involved. You see, Jesus gave us an example that's not like Diotrephus. Notice verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. He was too super spiritual to even receive an actual apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was so in tune. He was so far above everybody else. And therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. Pratting against us. Having a complaint every single day. Like, I don't like this, and I don't like that. And if you're really hearing from God, you know when people begin sentences with, if you were really hearing from God, that's the equivalent of saying, you are of the devil. Because you're either hearing from God or you're not hearing from God. With malicious words, ill-intended words, words that are intended to hurt. They have very little spiritual value, but they do hurt. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren. It's like he is, his club is a club of one. You can spot these people because they go from church to church to church to church telling every church what's wrong with their church. And we've got them here. If that's you, God soften your heart. If you've got a critical spirit, the Lord give you a soft-hearted spirit so that you can recognize exactly how difficult it is to do what you are not doing. We don't need you. We need Gaius. We do not need Diotrephus. So if you're offended, I'm sorry. But the Bible is really clear that the person that's habitually has to find a problem with everything actually has a problem themselves, and that problem is with God. They have a critical spirit, and they're malicious, and they find nothing better to do with their time than complain about people who are actually being used of the Lord. So don't. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. It's crazy. Can I give you an example of the exact opposite of that? His name is Jesus, the Lord of glory, the King of heaven, the great I am. Philippians chapter 2 says that if there's any consolation, of this one who came to give his life a ransom for us, sinful mankind, he, he did not even count it robbery to be crucified on Calvary's cross. Jesus didn't walk around with the Jesus-only banner. Jesus didn't walk around, well, we're the apostles and you're not. We've got it right, and you don't. Brothers and sisters, we need to encourage other brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
There are things that are truth and there are things that are not true and there are things that are heretical. And as a pastor, I have to speak against heretical things. I've been called to do that. But there are a lot of people who major in minor things and it divides up the church and it's just time for us to stop doing that. It's time for us to love one another and give each other some grace. One of the things that grieves my soul and a thing that I've seen on the increase in my three plus decades of ministry is the era of the, the pastor in chief, the corporate executive. It's almost like pastors have become venture capitalists running business enterprises through the church, counting the church bank account as their own bank account. It's family business, if you will. The only business we're involved in this church is God's business. Amen? It, it's not about control. I don't control anything. We have a board of directors. And more than a dozen pastors, and, and we just simply tried to hear from the Lord. But Diotrephus had to control everything. He was motivated by pride. It was like, this is mine, and you guys aren't good enough to be in mine. And I'm going to tell you, when a church has a resident dictator, it will kill the love of God, and it will kill the joy of God. It'll destroy it. The church is supposed to have a resident lover-in-chief. Someone who recognizes that we're all sheep and we've all gone astray. Every one of us has turned unto his own way. And we're not for the glory of God, the grace of God, none of us would be saved. When you look at what Diotrephus is doing, it's actually pretty clear. There's just four things. Who wouldn't receive John? John was at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And John wasn't good enough to be in his club. Yikes. God help us. God help us when we get like that. Actually lies about John. There's a problem with this guy's ministry. Beware when people are speaking ill of you behind your back. Because if you hear it, and it's behind your back, you can only imagine what might actually be getting said. He rejects John, John's hand-picked associates. John's sending these guys out, and, and Diotrephus, well, you know, I just didn't go to the right school. I know, they got these things going on in their life. Exclusivity is a terrible thing. One of the things that the Lord's been speaking into my life these last couple of years, like we have to figure out a way to bridge some of the differences in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about truth, and I'm not talking about faithful doctrine that is directly from the word. I'm simply talking about things that, you know, coats versus no coats, colored lights versus white lights, you know, colors on the building versus, you know, white. It's like, my goodness. How did we ever get like this? Can you imagine Jesus coming into a church? Yeah, the church split because we painted it a different color. <laughs> Woo! Well, 
Well, that's a soul killer for sure. <laughs> we need to start caring about the right things. And stop whining about the things that don't matter. Then what happened here in this particular... John's associates get rejected because it's guilt by association. It's like, oh, you mean you talk to that guy? I have listened to people talk about other pastors because they know somebody else. They don't have any firsthand knowledge whatsoever. They've never talked to that person. And because they talk to somebody else who talked to somebody else who talked to somebody else, we call that gossip, by the way. All of a sudden, wow, he's on the devil. Look, I have some pastor friends with whom I vehemently disagree on some points of doctrine. But I will tell you in a heartbeat that I love them and pray for them. I'm not trying to slaughter their character. We just disagree. I see something maybe they don't see, and likewise, they see something I don't see. But they're still my brothers in the Lord. They're still the family of God. I pray for people who have to button up and put a tie on. You know, it's like, I, I don't get it. I feel restrained. The tie that binds is the tie that binds. If I had to wear a collar, I hate things on my neck. It's not that I'm being disrespectful. It's just it bothers me. And then finally, he was harsh. It's harsh. Harshness is not of God. Love is of God. Can I tell you, you can say some really tough things in a very loving way. You, you, you can say hard things in a way that people can receive it. You can speak into people's lives with so much love that even something that's hard to swallow will actually go down. You know, it's like Mary Poppins. A spoonful of sugar will make the medicine go down. Amen? Don't quote, that's not scripture. <laughs> Just in case there's any, you know, you're, you're judging right now and writing down these things. I did not quote Mary Poppins as being in the Bible. I have to be really careful. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's true, isn't it? Our words are supposed to be like apples of gold and settings of silver. They're supposed to bring grace to the hearer, not crush their soul. So you can say tough things. When I tell somebody, this is what the Bible says, but I love you so much, I want to tell you what the Bible says. Because the Bible also says, if you continue in these things, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. It's because I love you, not because I'm trying to tell you that you're a rotten, wretched, horrible person. And if you don't quit doing these things, and the lightning bolts coming from heaven, it's going to destroy you and kill your family. We need to learn how to be kind with things that could potentially hurt. And finally... An example to follow. To Beatrice, beloved, do not imitate that which is evil. Yeah. But what is good? And he who does good is of God. But he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. You see, you could look at the word in Demetrius's life and go, man, he lives it. 
doesn't just talk it. Actually does it. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write to you. But I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you shortly. Can I tell you, email doesn't solve everything. Text messages are fairly impersonal. Amen? You can put 64 emojis on there. There's still a text. And while I I, I love the fact that we can communicate with text, and I use it a lot, and I use email a lot, there are times when my text is this, can you please stop by my office? Because what you can't see in an email and you can't see in a text is the tears coming down somebody's cheek. You can't see the brokenheartedness in somebody's face. You have no way of measuring the intonation of voice, You cannot do everything with a text. So for those of you that are under 30, a text is not as good as talking to somebody in a lot of cases. Amen? Some of you that are over 30 do the same thing. There are times when you just need to say, Can I talk to you? Because I don't want the enemy to get a hold of this and use it to destroy our relationship. And we speak face to face, peace to you. Our friends greet you and greet the friends by name. And you can see the love that John's writing with here. As we wrap this up, I want to ask you, are you an exemplary believer? Can somebody actually follow the example? You see, Philippians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians 11 encourage us to follow others as they follow Christ. Not to follow others for the sake of following others, but follow them in the example that they are of being like Jesus. Are you an example that someone can follow? Demetrius was that type of person. Gaius was that type of person. Diotrephus was not that type of person. And Diotrephus was in the church, and he had a following. And that following actually had some power and had some authority. And it did nothing but tear the church apart. Because they were unwilling to yield to the love of God. Maybe they thought they were clinging to the truth. But we're supposed to consider one another and and to provoke unto love and good works that person. And it's hard to provoke unto love and good works. There is Hebrews chapter 10 says, when all you're doing is fault finding, when all you're doing is criticizing, that does not provoke people unto good works. It is very tough to get someone to come to that place in Christ where they even see the need for the gospel when all you do is just fault find with them. And while it's true, we need to tell people the bad news But sometimes we're so bad at telling the bad news that we don't get to the good news. We need to make sure that we're getting to the good news. Amen? That God loves us and he works with us. It's not that everybody should always speak well of you. We're actually encouraged to be careful when people do that. They might have an ill motivation. You know that flattery that comes when someone's trying to get something could be in view there just as Luke chapter 6 reminds us. But Demetrius had a great witness in this world. 
And when people spoke of it, it was glowing. It's like, man, the Lord, he loves the Lord. And he loves people. The same was true of Gaius. When somebody talked of Gaius, it's like, man, have you met him? Have you met her? Have you been to their house? Have you ever had dinner? Have you sat down and talked to them? They love Jesus. They told me the truth. I was in this mess, and they loved me so much to tell me, but they told me in a way that it actually caused me to see the love of God. Man, we need people like that. I want to be like that. We, we've got plenty of diatrephuses in the church. We need more Demetriuses in the church. There's a couple of things here as we close. John experienced the character of this man, Demetrius, personally. I so appreciate people who, who know exactly what it feels like to be where I am. I appreciate it when someone recognizes that it's not easy sometimes and they just want to be an encouragement. It makes me know that God cares about me and I'm sure it does the same for you. When someone comes up and you're hurting, you're in a time of need and someone comes up, no ill motivation, no other thing on their mind, they just want to bless you. They want to speak comfort into your life and encouragement into your life it is that cup of cold water on a very hot day do that because we all need the peace of God we all want the joy of God we can only have that through the grace of God that comes through our faith in the Lord Jesus and so what that does is it puts every last believer in exactly the same boat, doesn't it? There's not one person here who loves the Lord that's going to go to heaven because you loved the Lord more than I did. Or, or because you knew more of the Bible than some of the rest of the people in the room. Or because you did more missions where you're going to heaven because of God's grace and his forgiveness poured out in your life. Amen? Amen. So in that sense, we're all in this grace boat that's floating along in this sea of this world. And it's grace that saved us, it's grace that sustains us, and it's grace that is going to get us home. So be like Gaius. Be like Demetrius. And don't be like Diotrephus. Be filled with grace. Let that peace rule in your heart. And let God use you to lift up the body of Christ, to lift up the lost to where they can see that God loves them and he has a plan for their life. Because you never know when your last day is going to be. You don't know what other people are going through. You have no idea where they walked that day. But I know this, I've got a choice. I can either be like Gaius and Demetrius or I can be like Diotrephus. For me, I'm going to take Gaius and Demetrius. Amen? Would you stand and we'll pray together.
Father God, we we pray together, and Lord, I want to just ask right now, maybe there's somebody that's just struggling today. Lord, their heart is pained with things they can't even speak of, and Lord, would you just be the lifter of their head as you've lifted mine and Connie's and our families this week. Lord, you've, you've picked up our chins and gazed into our eyes and told us you love us and reminded us of your truth. And so, God, would you do that for the broken today? Would you heal their heart? Would you speak encouragement into their life? And Lord, if there's anyone, anyone at all today that doesn't know you, they've never met the Savior, they haven't come to faith, Lord, today's that day. And so as we close this service, would you just impress upon them their need to go and to to pray in the prayer room and invite you into their life. Lord, we thank you for the simplicity of the gospel and the truth of our salvation, which is rich and free. And so, Lord, please fill this, your church, with more Gaiuses and more Demetriuses. And, Lord, help the Diatrephuses to surrender fully to your grace. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Anoint us for what lies ahead. Help us to encourage in Jesus' name.